This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. All right, welcome Disability Law Show. We are back for another uh, kick at the can. Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country is here, of course. Martin Willems representing the West Coast. Represent, as far as that's concerned, you can reach out to Martin or uh, Savannah anytime you would like. The number, really easy, you probably know it, one 821 5900 email address will always go to is help at disabilityrights.ca help at disabilityrights.ca questions of any other nature can be uh, can be asked in whenever you want mydisabilityquestions.com that website is absolutely free it's anonymous easy to use tons of questions up there already you can search for yours see if it's already been asked if not lay it in there and I'll give you something else memos on disability Really quick, really easy to learn and read, and you'll have the knowledge for yourself, ltdfaq.ca, as in frequently asked questions, ltdfaq.ca. Lots of stuff to get through, but uh, we'll uh, we'll get it happening. Savannah, what do you got off the top, my brother? Well, John, uh, it's a very special show here, uh, but before I start and, and let our listeners know that we have a guest uh, that we're going to introduce soon, just want to mention, by the way, that uh, Martin uh, is, is a partner at the firm, but he's also the, the head of our Western Canada operations. He practices both in BC and Alberta. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, interesting because there are not many firms, in fact, I can't think of any that do long-term disability work and have a presence uh, in all three provinces, Ontario, Alberta, and BC. So it's great to have Martin here, uh, excellent perspective. And, and let's just jump into it. We have a guest mm-hmm. here today. Generally, John, it's you, myself, and Martin speaking yes. about these long-term disability issues uh, and informing the public about their rights. And I've asked actually a friend of mine, somebody I've known for many years, to join us uh, today because he's actually going through the long-term disability process. I've asked him not to mention any names uh, of the insurance company, of the adjuster, of anything else, so he knows that. Uh, but I thought we could have a conversation here on air with Martin and myself asking questions, uh, answering uh, uh, you know this individual's questions, and yeah, we can just take it from there, and I think it's going to be very informative. So, so without further ado, uh, Andy... Um, you and I have known each other for a long time. Why don't you start off by saying how old you are and when you started on disability and why? Okay. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, so um, uh, I started on, uh, well, I was diagnosed in November of 2020 uh, with cardiomyopathy. I'm 47 years old now. Uh, at the time, I was uh, 46. And uh, so I basically went from using up my sick days I went to a short-term disability, a long-term disability. I wasn't on it. Uh, I started on uh, June of 2021, uh, so I haven't even been on uh, long-term disability for a year. Um, and so, uh, you know, some of the some of the questions and concerns that I have towards long-term disability is, I feel that the insurance company uh, is basically trying to rush me out the door and back to work as soon as possible. That's basically their main focus. Uh, They have sent me to a clinic of their choice. Um, And the reason being is because my cardiologist, when I was sent to the actual cardiac rehab clinic with the hospital, that deals strictly with with cardiac patients like myself, because my cardiomyopathy has to do with uh, my heart. So um, so basically, uh, you know, with them sending me there, 
because of the COVID and the backlog of everything, the referral didn't go through until sometime in February. Well, the insurance already had stepped in and they were basically trying to push everything. And so my concern is, is that the clinic that I'm at right now, I, I feel that, uh, you know, they haven't dealt with anybody with cases like cardiomyopathy as they deal more with slip and falls, car accidents, stuff like that. So for me, I just feel like I'm I'm in the wrong place and certain things that have happened, certain things that have been said have raised those red flags to me. Okay, so you have heart issues and uh, because of, of COVID, there was an issue getting you into the cardiac uh, rehab unit at the hospital the cardiologist wanted you to go to. So then the yes. insurance, as you said, steps in, sends you to this other clinic, which you feel is not equipped and doesn't have the expertise to deal with the complexity of your heart issues. And when you called me last week, uh, um, you you were asking me questions about that, and and you know now that there is a, a an opening that uh, is is there now at the cardiac unit, you want to go there. You want to go where your cardiologist wants you to go, and you you had a concern about that. You had a concern about what would happen if you told that to your insurance company, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, so I, I did I did make some mention about certain things um, just because of the. Uh, the things that they were saying to me, um, they, it just didn't come across being professional. And as soon as I started to speak up and, and you know, say certain things, I was being told that I was being difficult. And Who told you so, that? Was that, the adjust, was that the adjuster or the clinic you were sent to by the insurance company? This was the clinic that I was sent to by the insurance company. And so because of what was said, I mean, th- these are the questions that I, you know, that I have for you. Like one of them would be, because of the fact that the insurance sends me to this clinic and now this clinic that is dealing with the insurance on a daily basis, not just for me, but for probably, you know, um, multiple cases, I always, my fear is, is that the clinic will basically write up whatever kind of report towards the insurance to keep them happy so that they can get me off to work quicker because the quicker I go back to work, it just means that they don't have to pay me. And that's basically what I'm, how I'm feeling towards the situation. So correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know, but you would have, you would understand, like you would have the answer for this because you would deal with this stuff on a daily basis as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Martin, feel free to, to jump in here. Uh, just, just before I, I turn into Martin, actually, uh, Andy, what kind of work do you do? Just generally speaking. Uh, I do custodial work. Okay, so it's a physically intensive job. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Martin. Thanks, Andy, for joining the show. Um, what type of clinic is it that they are sending you to? What type of treatment is it that they're going to give you? Well, so right now, what the treatment that they're doing is the, I'm doing stretches. Uh, I'm doing some, um, uh, like, bicycle, like, uh, stationary bicycle um, light weights and stuff like eight pound weights, because, uh, for anybody who doesn't know with cardiomyopathy, car- cardiomyopathy is basically, uh, the heart doesn't pump blood through the body the way it's supposed to. So a lot of the symptoms are fatigue. Um, you know, uh, what else would it be? Uh, so fatigue, uh, you get uh, a lot of, uh, coldness through the body because the blood isn't pumping through. Uh, you can only lift a certain amount of weight so this is what they're doing. Like, so I'm, I'm doing mild uh, exercises with weight, but I feel that they constantly keep treating me as if like I have, 
you know, some kind of a joint problem with all the stretches. Um, when I have spoken to the cardiac rehab clinic, they have basically said, well, no, this is what we'll be doing. We'll, we'll even have a nutritionist that will be by your side making sure that you're eating, you know, proper foods because there's certain things I can and cannot eat. Um, like, for example, I can't take an alcohol because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's more damaging for the heart. So, okay. Just, just, so just the they're trying to build that, up your endurance. Yes, exactly. And, and it just feels like the clinic that I'm at right now is, is treating me like as if I, you know, broke my ankle or something and they're just trying to rehabilitate the ankle. Um, one of the comments that was made to me uh, a week ago was that they're trying to speed up my process. Like they're trying to speed me up with my healing to get me to the point of being back to normal. Well, the okay. cardiologist has said this will take time and it's going to take a lot of sessions with building your endurance up. It's not something that happens overnight, but that's their mentality. Okay. Well, there's a lot to be said in response to this. So the first things first, you have a policy, you're a member as part of that policy, and the policy is a contract. And the contract is between your employer and the insurance company. The contract has rights and obligations. One of the rights under the contract that the insurance company has is to send you for appropriate treatment that is deemed appropriate by the insurance company. Having said that, that has to be done on a reasonable basis. It's almost logical to say that in a context where somebody is suffering from cardiomyopathy, this is a very specific type of illness, and the appropriate person to deal with this and to treat you and to recommend treatment would be your cardiologist. And if your cardiologist has identified a specific program or clinic where you would be best treated with the best hopes of getting you better or at least maintaining your function or your status as it is, that is the person that the insurance company should be listening to. When you speak about other clinics hired by the insurance company, I've seen this many times where they would send a person for what is called a work hardening program and there's an expectation because there's a contract between the insurance company and this clinic. And there's an expectation that by the end of the treatment, which they will only pay for a certain period of time, that they basically want you to be work ready. So that when you say you feel that you're being pushed, I would imagine that's the reason why. Because there's an expectation that this type of treatment is going to get you better. But as you say, this is not a situation where you've injured your joints or you've got chronic back pain where they're going to try and strengthen you. You're suffering from a serious heart condition. And these people may not be well equipped to handle it or to even understand it. So it makes 100% sense that you should be attending the clinic recommended by the cardiologist. And I would recommend that your cardiologist writes a letter to support that position. And you submit that letter to the insurance company because, yes, they do have the right to have you attend the clinic, but it has to be done on a reasonable basis. And I cannot imagine how they could say to you that it's not reasonable for you to attend a clinic that is focused and specialized with people suffering with cardiomyopathy right. as opposed to a general clinic. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that makes sense. Um, that's exactly what the van had yeah. also mentioned as well was that, uh, and, and I appreciate, um, you know, the, the, um, the, the helpful, uh, advice, but,
But yes, uh, I, I think that my cardiologist should be the one that should be superseding everything because she's the one behind everything and, and deciding the treatment, not the insurance. Now, keep in mind, I mean, uh, Andy, it's, first of all, uh, Martin, that's exactly what I told Andy, as Andy just said, uh, almost word for word. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the adjuster that's handling your claim is going to be happy with that because there's a reason why they've sent you to that particular clinic. And it's certainly not going to be something the the, uh, the clinic that you're going to right now at the behest of the insurance company is going to be happy either. So there might be some resistance. But this is why I say, and I keep saying this, and we say this on, on TV and on radio, you have to uh, use your doctors. You have to go to your doctors, ask them for their advice, get that advice on paper, give it to your adjuster, and then say, I am following my doctor's advice, period. And so long, again, as Martin says, it's reasonable, then you are operating within the confines of the policy. You've uh, done everything you were supposed to do. And if the insurance company takes issue with that, that's exactly when you come to us because that's exactly when we can help. We can push back. We'll take a short break, guys, and get back into more of this. Andy, thanks a lot, pal. Stick around. We'll uh, we'll get back with you, Martin, as well, and Savan. Reaching out in the meantime, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. Three, two, and one. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along once again. Got to thank Andy for coming on the first segment there, a, uh, a guy dealing with some stuff. As you know, Savannah will maybe uh, reiterate some of what Andy was talking about uh, in just a bit. But emails coming through fast and furious. How do you do it? Help at disabilityrights.ca. The website, another avenue for you to ask questions. It's free. It's anonymous. Call mydisabilityquestions.com. And the good old-fashioned phone, pick it up and dial it, one 821 When we're not on air, uh, Savan and Martin and their respective teams always there to help out, one 821 5900 guys want to get onto our first email of the day this one comes from bev and uh bev says hey guys thank you uh, for your time i'm almost 62 and have been off on long-term disability from my employer for 23 years i'm still taking major medication for chronic depression uh for now but i'm legally blind due to glaucoma there is no way i could do my line of work which is basically administrative non-union at this point in my life, this close to retirement age, do I still have to keep filling out the annual forms required for LTD, or can I make a claim that I will never work again as my blindness progresses to full-fledged blindness? I've often wondered whether I should have suggested a payout as opposed to monthly payments. I started working there when I was 19 and never worked for another company, which in this case is in the province of BC. What do you think? I'll throw this one to you, Martin, right? Well, th thank you for that question, Bev. Uh, quite a few things to unpack here. Uh, you've been on claim for a very long time, so that's 23 years. I see that there's a condition being chronic depression as well as being legally blind due to glaucoma. Um, you know, I always go back to what does the policy say in respect to the question as to whether you have to file ongoing documents with the insurance company. The insurance company is in control of the claim. So if they do request that you complete forms, and if it's an annual form, meaning that you have to file a form once per year, that sounds to be like a reasonable request. I do get the point, though, that you are 62 years of age, and there's only three years left on the policy because these policies generally only get paid to the age of 65. I suppose you could respond. You could um, ask the adjuster if they realistically require you to continue to complete these forms, considering that there are three years left on a policy. 
and that your vision is worsening to the extent that you're going to be legally blind. Your education, training, and experience seems to have been limited to work that you did 23 years ago. So realistically, um, chances of returning to work in a different occupation probably very, very low. So approach the insurance company, see if they're prepared to waive that requirement. But I would say to you that under the terms of the policy, you're entitled to benefits as long as you submit proof that you remain totally disabled within the meaning of the policy. And with these policies, there would be two definitions of disability. The first one would be own occupation. You're unable to perform the duties of your own occupation for the first two years of LTD. Then that definition changes to that of any occupation. And you've been, it seems like, in the any occupation phase for at least 21 years now. You're likely getting CPP as well. So my only advice on that would be ask the insurance company if they're prepared to waive that requirement. But as insurance companies are, they may say we're not prepared to do that. But again, if it's an annual thing, it means two or three more reports to be submitted to them. I'm, with respect to the payout question, um, you know, your entitlement is a monthly benefit. Quite often through the process of filing a legal claim, a payout may make sense. That's something that's available generally through a legal claim. Going back in time to suggest what you would have been able to do, I probably would have made sense to get the money as you were receiving it. I'll leave it over to Sivan and see whether he's got anything else to add. So John and I actually spoke about this particular email earlier today, and uh, I pretty much said, again, everything that you said, Martin. And, and with respect to the ongoing forms, I suspect that essentially this is in their system. The system probably cranks out on a diary basis a request that gets sent out to you, Bev, and that's where you're getting that letter from the adjuster. It's it's almost like one of those things that's, that's automated for them. I, I would assume that's the case. But I agree with Martin. I mean, contact them and see if they even need that. To me, it just seems like extra paperwork that's not necessary. But you do have an obligation to do it. On the on the on the um, uh, lump sum settlement, uh, the, again, something we've talked about before. I agree with you, Martin, 100. percent uh, Listen, she's been getting these kinds of ongoing payments for 23 years now. Chances are the insurance company is going to continue doing that. But she's thinking, what if back then? And one of the things that comes up quite often, not I don't know if quite often, but it does come up from time to time, is people who are in LTD, be it for one year or five years, is they say, listen, Sivan, I've been getting LTD for X amount of time. I'm wondering if it makes sense for me to approach the insurance company and simply ask them for a buyout or a lump sum settlement, meaning pay me something into the future. Pay me two years worth, five years worth. Let's say I'm 50 years old, pay me 10 years worth of benefits. And I tell people, you got to put yourself in the position of the insurance company receiving this request. You have to be very careful that if you ask that question, that you provide a sufficient basis, a logic behind it. And even then, that, that, you know, that may lead to them suddenly taking an interest in your claim, an interest that otherwise they would not have had, uh, putting your claim under a microscope. Because if you're the insurance company and you have a claimant on claim, and that claimant says, pay me X amount of dollars into the future as opposed to on a monthly basis... You're thinking to yourself, well, why is that person asking it? No. Are they asking it because they have a job lined, a, a, a job lined up uh, next month? Is it because uh, they're undergoing some kind of treatment and they think they're going to get better in, in a few months or a year? So the insurance company may get suspicious. And it may be that it's unfounded suspicion, but it's suspicion nonetheless, and that you may attract attention you don't want. And like I said, I can count on one hand how many times I've dealt with cases where there was 
a reason to ask for a lump sum basis. I remember one case in particular a few years back where I was helping a very young lawyer who was uh, suffering from a very terrible illness and her medications were just through the roof. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars a month and she did not have drug coverage. And, uh, you know, her benefit amount, the LTD amount was fairly high and it would have been very helpful for her to get X amount of dollars from the insurance company in a lump sum so she can actually finance those medications. Irrespective of the fact that she would have been giving a huge discount to the insurance company for getting that lump sum. So, for example, if she would have entitled, been entitled to 30 years worth of, of uh, benefits, she re- was going to request 10 to 15 years worth of benefits into the future. And so there was a rationale. So we crafted the letter very carefully to try and explain that to the insurance company without raising any, any red flags for them. Be that as it may, you got to be very careful if you're in that position. So that's the only thing I would say, Martin, to add to what, what you explained, that some people would approach the insurance company for a lump sum payment, and that may backfire. You may end up getting attention that you do not want, irrespective of it. If at any point the insurance company tries to cut you off or tries to, to you know force you to do something you're not comfortable with or you believe you can't do, Based on your doctor's advice, you should be contacting us immediately so we can help you, talk to you at no charge, and explain to you what your options are. Again, that number to reach out, you got the email, of course, but one 821 is a way to do that. Uh, we can move on, guys. You want to move down to Travis's email? Travis is also in Vancouver. It's your yeah, call. let's do it. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, Travis, uh, by the way, learned about us and the program, this being the radio show, but he learned about the TV show, by the way, disabilityrights.ca, the media tab, you'll catch our TV show. It's about a half hour long as well. Uh, Travis now says, hey, guys, good day. I've been on LTD with my insurer for three years. They sent me a letter at my two-year LTD mark saying they have labeled me totally disabled from any job, and at the end of the letter, it says that they will try to get me back to work in 2022. I also received a letter from my employer stating that I am off work until age 65, pending my disability, prevents me from working. I recently applied for CPPD uh, and was denied. I spoke to the Service Canada adjuster. He said the reason I was denied is because my doctor's report says that I am stable and slightly improving. Therefore, long-term benefits for the rest of my working life from the government is denied, but I can appeal. I told him I was labeled totally disabled from work and don't understand why he would view those reports differently. Uh, than the insurer, but realize CPP is much harder to get. My questions are, number one, is it standard to be labeled totally disabled by the insurer but told that they will try to get me back to work in the next year? Number two, can the insurer use my CPP denial against me and try to push me back? And number three, if the insurer labels me totally disabled from any job, doesn't that mean I am now off work until the age 65 unless I get better over the next two years? I'm 42. I feel like I'm being constantly stressed about being pushed back to work, yet I'm labeled disabled for as long as I need it. Thank you kindly, Travis. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's a robust post. Uh, Travis, first of all, very sorry that you are going through this. I mean, you can just sense and feel and hear the stress uh, yeah. in, in that posting. And again, you know, for anyone out there, you go to mydisabilityquestions.com, you'll see that posting and, and our answer to it. Uh, so maybe I can start us off here and then Martin, I'm sure you're going to have points to add. Um, so this, this, this guy is, is young. I mean, Travis is, is a young guy, 42 yeah. years old, uh, is on LTD for three years. And as Martin said before, when he explained how most LTD policies operate, to, to get LTD, long-term disability, for the first two years, you have to show with the help of your doctors that you are unable to perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, which Travis is now at that point, 
uh, is three years post post starting of the claim. Uh, the test to get or the eligibility criteria to get LTD is more difficult. Now you have to demonstrate with the help of your doctors that you cannot perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. A much harder test. Now, he's mentioning CPPD, and that's CPP disability. Okay, yes. Government program as opposed to LTD when we're dealing with private insurance companies, either that policies you purchase privately yourself or that you have through a group benefits uh, program at work. And, and they're not identical, but they're very similar. And, you know, if you ask different lawyers, they'll tell you their thoughts about which one is harder to get. Not unusual to get LTD and not to get CPP disability. It's not unusual. And if you get uh, denied for CPP disability, your option there is to appeal that. We, we often say do not appeal LTD denials. That's when we can help you. But with CPP disability, you have the option of appealing. Okay? You don't have to, but you have that option under most policies. Now, his first question is this. He says, is it standard to be labeled totally disabled by the insurance company, but told that they will try to get me back to work for the next year? Is it common or is it standard? It depends. I can tell you that Martin and I and the rest of our, our, our team has seen many of these kinds of cases. Remember, insurance companies are there to make money. As much as you see commercials on TV and hear them on radio and read them in newspapers and how much they want to be there for you, be your friend, be a safety net, that's not really what they care about. It's just not. No different than house insurance, car insurance, travel insurance. They care about making money. The, the, way, the, the way they make money is collecting premiums and then either denying claims or if they have to approve claims, pay as little as possible. That's the model. Huh. So it's really important to understand that it's not unusual for them to do what they're doing here. It is odd that they've approved them beyond the two-year mark and said that he's totally disabled from any occupation and then saying, but we're going to try and get you back to work. But we have seen those cases happen. Uh, John, I know we have a, uh, a break coming up, so maybe we can pick it up after the break. You bet. We sure will. And in the meantime, to reach out, uh, just like Travis did, to uh, either Martin or Savannah, a member of their respective teams, here's how you do it. one 821 5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. Fish. That's it. Oh, you fish. <laughs> All right, eight minutes coming down, three, two, and one. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. A pleasure to have you uh, joining us every week here. Martin Willems in BC covering things out there. And, of course, Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP. You want to Google them, you'll find they are the most positively reviewed law firm in this country from coast to coast to coast. Reaching out anytime, use this number, one 855 That is help at disabilityrights.ca. And brief but informative met- uh, memos on LTD. Where do you find those? LTDFAQ.ca. Again, you can use that free absolutely anytime. Okay, pick it up, uh, guys. Travis had a uh, three three main questions uh, pertaining to his particular uh, predicament. Number two question, Martin, was this. Can the insurer use my CPP denial against me and try to push me back to work? What do you think about that? You know, they shouldn't. They shouldn't try and use that. Um, I don't think they generally do. Having said that, um, I can say this. When we've been involved in legal claims, I've had a number of occasions, for example, if my client has not been approved for CPP disability benefits, then the other side would say to me, see, even the government thinks he's not disabled. Whereas in cases where the person has been disabled, then the response I get is, well, we look at different criteria. But this is not in that process. So can the insurance company use the CPP disability denial against him? 
what they likely will do is ask you to appeal that decision because it is in the insurance company's interest for you to be approved for CPP disability benefits because it allows the insurance company to deduct what the government, Service Canada, pays you with respect to the CPP disability benefit. Um, I haven't really seen ones where the insurance company would say, because you've been denied CPP disability benefits, we're going to deny your claim. But if it's working towards a let's get you back to work, we're going to start pushing you to do some form of a rehab program as what it seems to be is happening here, in, or that's the plan at least for the future, this CPP denial may come up again. I'm not sure if you've got anything to add to that, Sivan. Um, no, I think you answered that. I, I think this is something that we do actually see. Uh, insurance companies, again, will use whatever they can to either deny your claim or force you back to work. I mean, they'll latch on to anything. So I agree with you, Martin. They shouldn't use the CPP denial uh, as a basis for either cutting the person off or forcing them back to work. But it's, again, not something that I have never seen before. I have seen these kinds of things before. Uh, it's a ludicrous position to take for the insurance company. You know, when you flip it, we've seen cases where a person was denied long-term disability from the insurance company on the basis that the person is not totally disabled, and yet CPP disability does approve them. Uh, those are interesting cases when you're showing that to the insurance company. And of course, what the insurance company then turns around and says, well, these are different tests. Or, you know, in our view, we just there's just not enough medical support. Anyways, all these kinds of cases we resolve. It doesn't take a yeah. long time for us to resolve them. Uh, we deal with all of these kinds of variations. But it's a very good question, and it's a question that does come up. Third, uh, third question of three guys that uh, Travis sent along. We appreciate it, Travis, again. And that is, if the insured labels me totally disabled from any job, doesn't that mean I am now to be off work until age 65 unless I get better over the next few years? He's only 42 again. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it means. It means that right. if you are, as long as you can satisfy uh, by way of medical support that you are totally disabled from any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience, uh, and by the way, typically we look at commensurate income as one of the indicators. In other words, can you earn after two years of being on LTD uh, income that equates to, let's say, 60, 65, even 70% of your pre-disability income? If you can earn that, in other words, if you can earn what you've been getting on LTD from another occupation, uh, the insurance company may have a legitimate reason to tell you that you no longer qualify for LTD. But in this case, Travis has been on LTD for three years. So the answer to that question, Travis, is, yeah, if you continue to be disabled from performing the essential tasks of any occupation that will pay you commensurate income, will pay you that 60, 65, 70% of your pre-disability income, uh, you should continue to get LTD. That's not to say that the insurance company will continue to pay you. They may very well take a different viewpoint uh, at some point down the road. Uh, th they may tell you that they want you to be seen by one of their doctors, as an example, for a quote-unquote independent medical assessment, if they haven't done that already. Uh, and I can tell you in those kinds of cases, some of these, again, quote-unquote experts hired by the insurance companies come up with an opinion or opinions different than what your treating doctors are saying. Uh, sometimes insurance companies latch onto those, and despite the fact that they've approved you, for LTD beyond the two-year mark, they may still tell you you have to start a, a return-to-work program or they're going to cut you off. So my point is this. Nothing is guaranteed. That's what you need to understand, okay? Yeah. And if you're having any issues in the future with them, they're telling you to do something you don't feel comfortable uh, with uh, or, or they're telling you to go to an independent assessment or they're telling you we want you to try to go back to work or anything like that, 
you contact us immediately and we will chat about your situation privately, confidentially, at no charge, and we'll make sure that you understand what your options are. By the way, John, sometimes when people contact us before they are cut off and we give them tips on how to deal with the insurance companies, some adjusters back off. I've had good feedback from individuals out there who've had these kinds of situations come up. And then they've done what we've told them. And then suddenly, you know, the insurance adjuster backs off. You know, they probably think that it's going to be too much hassle to cut this person off. So let's move on to the next victim, so to speak, right? Uh Because, again, their job is to get people off claim. That's what they do. That's how they make money. If somebody is getting $50,000 in LTD a year and that person is, let's say, 60 years old, let's say they got five more years on LTD, that's $250,000 the insurance company will have to continue paying until age 65. If they can cut the person off now and that person walks away from their claim, the insurance company just pocketed a quarter million dollars. Totally. Now, what if that person was 50 years old or 40 or 42 like Travis? Extrapolate that now across the country with thousands and thousands of claimants. Imagine the amount of money these insurance companies are pocketing even if nine out of 10 claimants walk away from the money that's owed to them. Yeah. And this is our, our job here is to tell people, do not walk away from this. Don't assume the insurance company is correct. This is when you contact us or you go to that website, you post your question, just have the information you need before you make a decision that you'll regret. And with that, we will take a short break. How about that? The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. This is a lengthy conversation you can have. There's no charge just to talk to one of the guys. Don't be bashful. Just reach out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Always the email address. Quick response and also mydisabilityquestions.com. That is free. It's anonymous. The database is searchable. Your question or one almost exactly like it by someone else may have been asked previously. So you can read that and continue on from there. Mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. Three, two, and one. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. We are back at it. Got a few minutes to go here. Reaching out when the show is done. Anytime, really. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The email address we always use. You want to read some uh, quick and informative notes, memos on LTD. There's a place for that, too. The place is ltdfaq.ca. And then finally, to to reach out, uh, you know, anytime, mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a place where you can ask questions completely free and anonymous as well. In that regard guys we'll get to uh marnie marnie is up next um short and sweet question question is can you get long-term disability if you have depression that's it well uh 100 yes but you know we could have a whole show on uh, this specific question you know again the, the disability policy is a contract and the requirement to get disability benefits is you have to prove that you cannot perform the duties of your own occupation because of an illness or a condition. Depression, obviously, is an illness. And, you know, mental health disability claims are on the rise, I'm sure, all over the world, if not just in Canada, especially with the pandemic that we just lived through. So I see more and more cases, not that there haven't been a lot before. I think mental health illnesses probably make up the vast majority of disability cases. So if you have depression, definitely, yes, you can get disability benefits if you have the support of your family doctor or your psychiatrist or another treating physician to confirm that you are unable to perform the duties of your own occupation. I have had many people phone me in the past saying, well, my doctor says I have depression, but the insurance company has denied me. The question, though, is what evidence did you submit 
in support of that claim. Simply saying I have depression is not going to lead to an approval of the claim. Remember what Simon said earlier in the show, the, the, the goal of the insurance company is not necessarily to approve the claim, um, but in the face of compelling evidence, which would come from the doctors or the psychiatrist in the, if, in the treating capacity, to support such a claim, your claim should be approved. And if it's not approved, then you reach out to us to discuss your options. Um, d- depression is what is called an invisible illness. And these are the cases that we see on such a regular basis because there is no MRI or CT scan or X-ray that's going to show the depression. It's quite often you know, assessed by the family doctor or the psychiatrist based on what has been reported to them. So insurance companies deny these cases routinely. But remember, if there ever were to be a denial, reach out to us because we can help you. Do not give up. There is a way out. Sivan? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's funny how, well, it's not funny, but it's interesting how many people actually approach us and ask, you know, should, can I get LTD for not just depression, but other types of psychological uh, issues, illnesses, mental health problems, right? And I mean, think about what the world that we're in right now, not just the global political conflicts, but we just have dealt for two years with COVID. Uh, just imagine the the significant psychological pressures that people are under and are still under. Uh, I, I actually think it's like a tsunami. So irrespective of any personal issues that people are dealing with, I think just the pressures from the outside, external and internal family pressures, that's going to lead and is already leading, uh, you know, to, to, to a, a huge amount of these kinds of claims and not just depression, severe anxiety, phobias. There is a whole, you know, uh, um, number of, of these kinds of mental health issues that we are seeing. The other thing is that even if you're not, if that's not the, the dominant issue that's disabling you, depression or anxiety or things like that, if you are dealing with an illness, whether it's MS or cancer or something else that, you know, that is really, really difficult to deal with, or an injury from an accident, oftentimes it overlaps with the psychological issues that arise from those. So it's not to say that if you're severely injured, all you have are physical injuries. All you have are, you know, are broken bones or even a brain injury. No, you're going to have lack of sleep. That's going to lead to mood disorders. So the point is this, as Martin said. So long as you have the medical documentation, meaning you have a physician typically, okay, it doesn't have to be necessarily in every case, uh, depends on the policy, depends on what we're dealing with, but typically it's a physician. Uh, you have them express in writing the nature of your disability, how it impacts your work, that you're unable to work. That is the proof. That is the documentation. And by the way, John, one yeah. of the things that we see a lot in our practice is the insurance company coming back with a rejection on the basis of, quote-unquote, insufficient medical documentation or that the medical documentation does not prove total disability. And people give up. Either they give up, they simply assume, okay, well, the insurance company says I don't have enough documentation, so I guess I'm not disabled enough under the policy, which, again, is incorrect. Or, number two, uh, the insurance company basically says, uh, you know, there's just not enough there, to, you know, to prove the disability itself. And, and, you know, the issue with that, obviously, is that uh, a lot has to do with how the doctor uh, verbalizes mm-hmm. the nature of the disability. And so that's, again, something that we help with. It's something that we can deal with. What's key here is this. If at the end of the day, you are unable to work because of something that is disabling you, an illness or an injury or a combination of both, and you have... Uh, treating health professionals that are supporting you being off work because of your disability, 
you should be approved. And if you're not for any reason, I want to highlight and underline and bold, any reason, you let us know immediately. We will look at the denial letter. We will look at the policy if you have it. We'll talk to you about your condition and we'll tell you within a matter of minutes if you have a case or not. 1-855-821-5900 is a way to reach out by phone. I want to get to Bill's email, guys, while we still got uh, some time here. Before we wrap, Bill says, hey, guys, my wife was recently diagnosed with schizophrenia and adjustment disorder. She's on meds, but they make her very depressed. She's 42 and clearly can't work. Her long-term disability insurer denied her claim twice. She won't try again because she doesn't want to deal with them. That's not a old, not a new story anyway. Can you help, says Bill. Yeah, that's, uh, again, something that Martin and I and the rest of our team sees quite a lot. And by the way, I should mention here, Bill, it's fantastic that you've reached out to us. And, and John, often that's what happens. We have family members and friends of disabled individuals contacting us, not the people themselves who are struggling with insurance companies. In this case here, Bill's wife, he says she was denied her claim twice, which means she appealed her original denial. And we tell people always, do not appeal these denials. Contact us before you do anything. We'll tell you what you should do. Most of these appeals go absolutely nowhere. They're a waste of time. They create stress, anxiety, doesn't do anything. And here he says also she won't try again because she doesn't want to deal with them. I don't blame her. I don't, who would want to deal with these insurance companies, right? Especially when they're denying, denying, denying. It almost sounds like a you know, John Grisham book here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just it's crazy. And he says schizophrenia, adjustment, disorder, these are serious conditions, serious psychiatric, psychological conditions. Mm-hmm. If she has, Bill, the support of her psychiatrist or a psychologist, combination of health uh, you know, treatment providers, and they're saying she cannot work, forget about these appeals. Let us handle the claim. We will help her and we'll likely resolve this kind of claim fairly quickly. Bill, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, Savan Martin, as always, guys, on the show, your, uh, your insight is absolutely brilliant. If you want to talk to either of these gentlemen or their respective teams, they're all ready to, uh, to have a chat with you. Here's how you uh, navigate that. First, the phone number. It's always a good place to start, right? 1-855-821-5900. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's how Bill got a hold of us, and you can as well. If you want to ask your questions another way, completely anonymous and free, mydisabilityquestions.com and then finally memos all about LTD easy to navigate easy to learn you'll pick up lots of information there ltdfaq.ca we'll catch you next time disability law show thanks for tuning in the proceeding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW